When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's right, everybody. We are back. This is episode 157, Grow Your Brand as a Developer. I'm Matt. That's Mike. And this week, we'll be talking to Dylan from Growth Currency about all things branding and marketing. Now, this sounds interesting to you because it should, because you you should want to build that brand up and you want to support the show. You can go check us out on that Patreon, leave a review or rating on your podcast app, join us in our Discord server or share this with your friends. And now Dylan is a growth marketer who he tweets daily on branding and marketing for creators. So people like you, if you're out there coding away and maybe coding in public or sharing your uh, experience on Twitter or Instagram or wherever it is you share it, you're going to want to listen to this episode because his newsletter, named Growth Currency, provides high-value links to tools, courses, tips, and resources to help you, the creator, grow. So if you ever wanted to get more followers, more likes, more of this, more of that, more money at the end of the day as well, just straight up, you're going to want to listen to this episode. We have a great comprehensive guide, or he kind of gives a great comprehensive guide through a bunch of questions that Mike wrote up. So let's cut to that interview right now. All right, everybody, we have Dylan on the line here. And before we get, before we jump in, excuse me, to this loaded episode full of social media and self-promotion and brand stuff, Dylan. How's it going? What's up? How's your COVID life doing? What is going on? <laughs> it's going great. Thanks for asking and thanks for having me on. COVID life is um, kind of slowly coming to an end, at least for now. So yeah, things are things are looking bright. That's great. That's great news. And uh, same same for here. There's always that lingering, you know, potential another lockdown or whatever. But uh, at least it's uh, kind of alleviating itself for right now. That's right. That's right. Living the here and now, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. Every yeah. time I like think about anything else, it kind of starts to spiral. So here and now <laughs> is the good is the good yeah. way to think about it. Exactly. All right. Uh, so yeah. Uh, so Dylan, thanks for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Uh, you and I connected over Twitter just to you know let let the audience know. I kind of started my Twitter journey, quote unquote, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, in the last couple months, I decided, hey, let's take Twitter seriously for once. Mm-hmm. And let's see what we can do with it. And uh, as I was doing that, like I saw you, you were prom- like doing some great stuff with your Twitter threads. You were doing some great stuff with your newsletter. You had a lot of really good structured content that I really enjoyed and I could devour really easily, awesome. um, which I appreciated. So I was like, hey, you know what? I, I'm starting out. I'm sure there's a lot of other people that are starting out right now. Let's get you know, everyone on the same page, make sure that we have the best practices, at least get a good foundation. Like we're not going to be able to tell people, Hey, this is exactly how to become successful. It's not possible. There's always that secret sauce. There's always that kind of like, uh, you know, your, your own motivation, but really what we want to do is give you the best practices as possible. And Dylan is definitely the man to do that job. So right. Getting, getting right (laughs) off, getting started right off the bat here. What are the advantages of establishing your own personal brand? I think there's, yeah, there's a, there's a few. So 
one thing that really comes to mind for me, just from a marketing background is um, establishing a brand of any kind really sets your foundation, um, whether you're a business, um, a product, just a, a solopreneur, whatever it might be, setting your brand can really establish your foundation. So what I mean by that is once you have decided this is kind of um, my whether it's your niche or whatnot, but you you have your um, your brand voice, your messaging, kind of your tone established, and then your colors and your logo and your identity formed. Um, that really helps you alleviate all of that decision fatigue, I guess, going forward. So your brand is kind of like that foundation. You know where you stand. You've kind of like made your line in the sand of this is me. So you can kind of go forward a little bit easier, not having to um, kind of worry about those, those details going forward. So initially, um, setting up your brand is important from that, from that perspective. And then from there, um, with an, with a personal brand and being, be building that out, um, the advantage of that, that I have seen is being recognized as, um, you know, the more your brand grows and the more people kind of recognize you, that is them recognize your brand. So you can, um, be recognized for your specialty, uh, your, your solution that you provide or your, that your business provides, um, and be recognized for, uh, your particular services, product, whatever it might be that you're, that you're promoting, even ideas, um, people build brands around ideas. So being recognized for something, um, really is actually just proving that you have established yourself as a brand. So people will recommend your services or products whenever there's a question in the market about, um, you know, what's the best solution for, I have this problem. Is there a solution out there? What, what do you recommend? And as soon as people start mentioning your name, I think that's, that's a good indicator that you've, you've kind of got that, that brand established. You can kind of also, um, once you get to, you know, greater heights, you can kind of be the de facto, you know, it guy or girl. So like, I, I think back to, um, I'm not sure if your audience will be familiar with, but David Perel is a pretty prolific Twitter, um, writer, uh, Twitter guy. And he's, he's got a great program called the rate of passage and his Twitter profile is the writing guy. And he can kind of, he can claim that. So he's built his brand, um, around writing and honing your writing and becoming a better writer an online writer. And so, once you um, establish your brand and build, you can eventually, you know, potentially get to a place where you could be the de facto HTML guy or the de facto um, whatever it might be. So those are some of the advantages of, of really kind of establishing and honing your brand that I've seen at least. Is there anything like while you're doing it, and for me, like just as a personal anecdote, mm-hmm. when when I first started on Twitter, I didn't know exactly where to go. It was easier for us because, again, we have a podcast, so like the podcasting is its own brand. Yeah. But regardless, I was trying different things. I was trying a bunch of different strategies, and I was trying different brands almost, right, as I was doing it. Yeah. Is that like – would you say that that's a decent strategy or should you kind <laughs> of choose your brand before you get out there and kind of stick to it as much as possible? You know, I think people will come into it um, at different points in the journey. So I'm kind of like you, where I came in about a year ago to Twitter, and I knew that I kind of wanted to put myself out there and sort of build something. I wasn't really sure what it was. So I was kind of trying a bunch of different things as well. Like I I got kind of into the, you know, the hashtag money Twitter community, um, which I resonated with some stuff there, like personal finance I was interested in, but I wasn't really super keen on a lot of the other stuff that was going on. So I kind of tried that and sort of started writing about things like that as well down that vein, but it wasn't really, it wasn't really hitting for me. So I think some people will come into this space where they know that like, I am kind of the, 
the resident expert on XYZ, or I've got a, a pretty good base foundation of knowledge on a certain thing. And I want to sort of revolve my brand around that. And so that's that would be my recommended place to start. And that might not be where you end up, but that can be a good starting point. Maybe you start talking about um, writing, for example, but you eventually find out your your writing is actually um, launching you into podcasting because you're able to structure a story and an, uh, maybe a, an, a podcast episode. And that got you into you know the audio and that's really your passion and that's where you can help people. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I think that you kind of have to start, you dabble and see what, see what kind of works and what resonates with people and what resonates with you and keeps you going and and go from there. What do you think about, what do you think about, you know, kind of based on that question, uh, what do you think about, uh, sort of a mixed. So for example, I've heard from, uh, motivation, motivational speakers, or just like, you know, the entrepreneur, um, coaches, stuff like that. Like Mm -hmm. those type of people you'll hear like, Hey, do you know, just go on Twitter or go on whatever and like be yourself and then start a side hustle and you can spin off another, uh, and the, and the, and the advice will vary, but you can spin off another account that has like your big, your, your brand. So if you start like a, a cup company, I don't know. So it's just like, Hey, like here's my cup company. Here's my separate Twitter account. That's like all for yeah. the marketing of that because you as a person are like not <laughs> necessarily super passionate about cups or maybe you are, but you're <laughs> also passionate about like, I don't know, keyboard switches, gaming, skiing, whatever. And so they're saying, you know, do all that stuff, you know, show your skiing, show your show your keyboards off, show this, show that, show your antiques off, whatever it is, mm-hmm. but then also have these side things. So like, what is your thought on, first of all, I guess it's a two part question, managing multiple accounts, but then also, you know, should you really mix your, cause that's kind of a mixed brand, right? Like one day you're talking about skiing, the next day you're talking about Halo. It's like, what are we, what are we talking about here? So like, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think there's, to me, there's got to be kind of a centralized, um, a centralized location or a centralized brand for kind of those spinoffs. Um, so if you are growing based on your own persona, your own face profile, whatever you call it, like, for example, myself, um, you know, it's my face and I have the name Dylan on Twitter, but, uh, you know, growth currency is the handle. So that's kind of my de facto brand. And if I was all of a sudden to get into a SaaS product, for example, um, or a online course that I was building, and I decided to spin off a separate Twitter account for that, I would have no problem talking about that on my main profile in part, um, especially if there's, you know, there's an audience there that I think it could serve. Um, but yeah, I, I think just because you have also, I guess this, you know, should be said as well, just because you have a product or a company or something, it doesn't necessarily mean you need to create another social media account for it. I've seen people be uber successful without ever even creating accounts for their other products. I think of um, Dickie Bush who started Ship 30 for 30. Um, he's built that that you know kind of mini empire of this cohort-based writing course strictly based on his persona. Um, and then his partner, Nicholas Cole's persona, they didn't even have a ship 30 for 30 account. Like there's no Twitter account ship 30 for 30 or anything like that. It's the two guys and they've been able, based on their credibility and what they, the value they provided, they'd be able to, you know, build this thing pretty massive, um, in a short period of time. So yeah, I think you need to, um, you need to just be cognizant of, of what you're, if you're tweeting about cups and your audience is into coding, (laughs) 
I don't think that's going to have the right fit, but you can, you can say, you know, I've got this company on the side here and this is what we do. And if you're interested go follow them, or you can even just be more subtle about it and have the link in your profile to it. I've seen a lot of people do that as well. They just have a, a link of some, uh, something else that they're working on in their profile. And I've clicked on stuff like that where it's like, Oh, I wonder what that's all about. And then kind of gone down that rabbit hole. That makes sense. I think, I think like, yeah, it, it really does depend on where you're at, what you're doing and stuff like that, which is, I know kind of a, a difficult answer yeah. uh, and a difficult question, but it really does. Like if someone's first starting out without any brand identity, might have a hard time doing stuff like that, right? Like mm-hmm. they might have a hard time using their brand or their own face to promote cups and stuff yeah. like that. But yeah. if they already are established, an established personality, and they already have a large group of people associated that, that really appreciate their advice, then maybe it's a different story. So mm-hmm. it, it 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 is a good point that it does it does differ, and uh, that you you should kind of based on where you're at do different things, but. Regardless of that, the the hardest thing for me when I was first starting out with any of the social media stuff really is the self-promotion aspect of it. Like every time I would post something that like seemed kind of braggy or seemed like it was pointing stuff to – pointing people to things that I've made like the podcast, Mm -hmm. primarily the podcast, uh, I felt weird about it. Like I felt icky. I felt like I was doing something wrong. And I don't know where that feeling comes from, but it's something that I've definitely battled with and I still battle with, even though I've been doing it for a while now. Mm -hmm. Um, But what, like, how do you get past that self-promotion feels weird mental barrier? That's, yeah, that's something that, you know, people run up against very often. Um, Definitely not alone in that, Mike. I've come, I felt that myself. I've kind of tried, I've gotten over it, I think, to a degree. Um, And... Yeah, it is hard in the beginning because you kind of are like, oh, this feels salesy or pushy or shameless. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't really want to be that guy yelling at everybody through a bullhorn. Hey, come look at my stuff while they, you know, turn in the other direction, running with their ear, you know, plugging their ears um, as fast as they can. So I, I totally get that. But I also think if you, the way I get over it is um, I believe that the stuff that I'm sharing has value. And has something to offer people. So it kind of helps me get over a bit of the imposter syndrome and a bit of the ickiness of, you know, it's a form of sales, right? So it helps me get over the ickiness of quote unquote selling to people because it's like, well, A, I'm not actually asking for their money. I'm just asking them to check something out and maybe subscribe to my newsletter. But I have been told before um, and many times that, you know, people have enjoyed my newsletters. The more, you know, you hear that, um, almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy, the more you hear it, the more you feel comfortable sharing it because you, you've, you've been validated that it's been helpful. So now in, in the start, you don't necessarily have that. So I could see why it could be tough. So you, you honestly, you just have to start sharing it. If you do feel like it's something that helps people, you believe in what you're sharing and what you're promoting. Um, like with your guys, with your podcast, what the content you guys are sharing, the interviews um, that you're in conversation, you're curating um, for your audience if you guys believe that it's going to help people, then by all means, I think it's, I think it's worth sharing. So it's kind of a mindset thing, um, a self-belief thing. Um, yeah. I don't know if that, uh, if that quite answers what you're, what you're asking, but that's, that's sort of my standpoint on it. Mm -hmm. Is there a line? Like, is there a line where like, 
you know, if, if I'm an account that is constantly blaring only yes. my own stuff <laughs> and uh, not interacting with the community, I'm going extreme here, obviously. Yeah. Like, that's not the thing to do. But is there a line? Like, what what are the – do you have any recommendations on that step, like on the self-promotion step? Yeah, I have seen um, – I don't personally uh, – you know, I don't count all of my tweets and, you know, do like a, a say, 60, 20, 20 sort of – balance of promotional versus engagement versus, you know, um, other types of tweets. But I have seen people say, you know, you should do 80% just like engaging and, and interesting, whatever thought, uh, question tweets and stuff like that. And then 20% should be kind of your promotion. So, you know, the old 80, 20 rule, I I'm kind of like, I need to post one tweet a day that promotes something I do. Um, because, the chances of the same person seeing me post seven tweets in seven days, all the promotional tweets, unless they've got their notifications for me turned on, you know, the chances of them seeing all of those are very slim to nil. So unless I'm the only one they're following. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think what we get caught up in our own, in our own like timeline and our, we see everything we tweet and we think about everything we tweet. So we're like, Oh man, I posted about this two days ago, or I tweeted about, you know, this podcast episode two days ago, people are going to be so annoyed that I posted again, 48 hours later when, you know, in truth, 99% of people who see the second tweet probably didn't see the first one. And the ones who did it are just gonna be like, Oh, cool. He's promoting himself. Like everybody's promoting themselves. You just have to get over, you just have to get over it. Um, and, Think about if you're in somebody else's shoes who you see them promoting their product or something that they have created. Um, I think more often than not, you're gonna be like, oh, cool, good for them. Instead of like, oh, get out of my face with, you know, how dare you promote yourself on a social media platform <laughs> that encourages you to promote yourself. How uh, how structured is um, is your strategy? I know you said that, you, you know, you try to post one a day, so about seven you know, so self promo or like promoting what you're doing mm-hmm. a post, but like how, how structured is like your, just like your tweets, I guess, like, is there a, a specific tweet schedule? Like, do you recommend using like literally a scheduler? Like what is the, what's the formula there? I know we'll be talking about strategy in a bit and maybe that yeah. speaks more to that point, but. Yeah, we could talk about that in a little bit more detail later, but I, for my own I started scheduling tweets um, about a year ago when I started getting into Twitter a little bit heavier um, because I didn't have necessarily the discipline to go on to the platform, tweet out things and engage. So I had to rely on myself to schedule a bunch of stuff in advance. Now I'm just, I'm there so often and I'm there. Um, I've got, you know, different ideas bubbling up all the time and certain people I engage with pretty frequently, whether it's, you know, in the timeline or in DMs that, it just comes more naturally. So I don't, I don't feel like I have to, you know, set that, that schedule and have that discipline. It just, I'm there often. And so I don't really need to set the time aside to do that. But I do recommend if you are struggling with maybe going on Twitter on a regular basis or whatever social media platform you're using, set batch your, your, um, your tweets, set a two hour time, two hours per week, schedule some tweets, and then you don't have to worry about it. Um, that's, that is a good, a good tactic to use if you're, if you're struggling to get up and going. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that, that's a good, that's good advice. I mean, like for, for me personally, again, anecdotally, mm-hmm. uh, I did do some scheduling and I know Matt, you've done some scheduling as well. we we did that. Uh, when I really get on, get on Twitter and when I've invested my time into it, I stop scheduling for the most part. Yes. I still schedule sometimes, but for now what I'm seeing is like, 
the more I engage with the tweets that I create, the better it is. But having said that, that's a luxury to have that kind of time. Yeah. And not everyone has it, nor do they have the discipline. It's better to do something than nothing. Yeah. And the scheduling totally works. Like it's absolutely a thing that works. So it's a great place to start. So yeah, good. Yeah. Great. Uh, and while we're on the topic of social media, uh, I know it's like a big and scary thing when first starting out. Like I know for me, for for Matt, I think for like most people that I've talked to, it's like, well, where do I start? There's like a sea of stuff. First of <laughs> all, there's tons of social media platforms. Yeah, there's the yeah. big ones, but there's other smaller niche ones. Uh, and then like you have to choose where to start. And then you're like, well, what do I do now? Do I just comment on people's stuff? Do I talk to myself on here? Like what, what do I what do I do? So what's your advice for people that are just starting out? Yeah, I was thinking about I was thinking about this a bit and what I probably would have done if I would have been smart about it or even had known this was kind of an option was I would have found an online community first and then decided where I should go find my social media platform of choice because your online community um instead of you know casting this huge wide net of the vast twitter the 330 million people on twitter or the however millions of people on um, instagram or billions on facebook whatever it is instead of trying to find those people on there which can be very daunting and and can take some time what i would do is find an online community and um i mean they come in many different capacities free paid small big um I would find one of those first and see where those people are hanging out on what social media platforms are hanging out. And you may not even need to necessarily go on a social media platform to, to really have success with, um, you know, building your brand and, and, and persona. But I do think that finding those online communities will really help you um, decide and save you time of trying to figure it out yourself. So whether it's on, you know, GitHub or uh, Reddit, or on um, you know product hunt indie hackers the, the indie worldwide is another one there's there's a lot of these online communities that people may not know about that are out there um, the, you know the chicken for the egg thing is uh, I I didn't find out about those until I was on social media so it, it can be a bit of a challenge but if you if you do some online research search for communities in your in your neck of the woods in, in terms of whether uh, you're you're in you're a developer or a coder, or um, if you're building front end, um, if you're doing podcasts, whatever it is, search out communities with uh, some keywords there, and I'm sure you'll be able to find something first. Once you've discovered your social media platform, it's going to be way easier, um, and you're going to probably have immediately a bunch of people on that platform who are in your community who will follow you and, and engage with you, and that's just going to expedite your growth on on the social media platform. So that would be my my first strategy. If you don't want to do that, um, then you just need to do your own research and figure out where, you know, where your community actually lives and where maybe your audience or your prospects might live. So that can be, that can be a bit of a challenging task, but with some research and some time put in, you, you'd be able to figure that out too. Or if your company, if you're doing more of a B2B product, you might be better suited for LinkedIn. Um, obviously if you're, you know, more in the creator space, Twitter is really blowing up for, you know, the creator economy. They're, they're doing everything they can to kind of leverage that and that growing, um, that growing space. So there's, there is a ton of options out there. You just have to do some additional research. With all these options. Oh, sorry, Mike, but uh, with with all these options too, it kind of sounds like, you know, social media, um, like either as a career or as a piece of your career uh, really is kind of lending itself 
uh, to the, you know, you know, like the, the sort of persona where you just don't know what you want to do quite yet. Or maybe you, you know, you want to change gears here and there, or, you know, you don't want to keep doing the same thing. It's kind of like social media, or at least using it a lot, kind of lends itself to that, which is like really helpful. Cause obviously mm-hmm. if, if someone's stuck in like a nine to five job and they're sitting in a cubicle, right. And they, and some people love that. Some people hate it for those people that would hate that social media is super interesting because they could go, I mean, it would take time to spin up again, but they, it kind of sounds like they can go from, you know, being that, you know, I don't know, authority on monitors to then all of a sudden they go and they, they do something completely different and they like start painting or something. And it, it allows them yeah. to be like a little more free and, and sure there'll be a transition period and maybe a separate account or whatever, like we discussed or however you would transition, but your brand, but it does sound like it, it, it lends itself to that type of persona, which is, which a lot of jobs really kind of don't No. No, I agree. I, I mean, I'm guilty of what you've just said. I, uh, it, this, the danger with, with, um, social media is, you know, you, it makes your nine to five or can potentially make your nine to five boring, um, and make you dream and maybe, um, just like pine for something a little bit more glamorous, um, that may not actually be, I'm not going to say not possible, but it just takes a lot more work to, you know, build up that, that, um, that career, that audience, that income, that revenue on the side than it would to, you know, have kind of a stable nine to five job. So there's the trade-offs there. Right. And I think there is a transition that can be done and tons of people have done it. It's just a matter of being careful about it and being strategic about it too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. And I, I like the, the approach of finding your community first, like finding a smaller subset and mm-hmm. then go, branching out from there because yeah like it's it's a sea like it's a sea of stuff and yeah. a sea of crap and there's just so much and if you go the route of just trying your best and finding a place the chances of you failing and floundering and kind of you know flailing all over the place and trying different things for years potentially mm-hmm. is high so mm-hmm. finding your community finding people that are already established on one of the social media platform platforms whether it's instagram or twitter sounds like a great great piece of advice for people that are just starting out right now. Yeah. If I could, sorry, just on that, Mike, if I could just give some quick context to how, you know, my, my personal um, example, it took me, um, it took me about nine months to really, when I started taking Twitter seriously, it took me about nine months to really truly kind of hit my stride and find my community. And that was through trying a bunch of things, starting my newsletter. Even after I started the newsletter, it took, you know, about 10 editions, 10 weeks of publishing before I kind of really started honing in and finding that community and those people. So it can definitely be a journey. Um, some people find it faster, but that's kind of from my context. That's why I'm like, find a community, see where they're at and then go from there. Yeah. That's a, that's a great piece of advice. And I, I would definitely have done that <laughs> looking, <laughs> looking back on it, but we, we do have a community, uh, this like on discord called HTML, all the things. So nice. if you are listening to this and you are interested in web development specifically, uh, or really programming in general, uh, that's a, probably a good place to start. There's a lot of different people from different varying points. Um, and there's also us that we can help and stuff like that. So great, great piece of advice. A little bit of a self-plug there from us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, once you, like, let's say you establish yourself on social, social media, you find your niche, you get you get to the point where you're getting the followers, you're getting the interaction, you're established, you're, you're quote unquote established. And that could mean varying different things for many different people, right? Mm-hmm. But regardless, 
you have something, you, you found it. What's the next thing that people should do? Like, I know there's a lot of different types of content you can create, uh, but what, what's your advice on that? Well, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I think you probably, to establish yourself on social media, you probably have created a decent amount of content or at least curated a decent amount of content. So um, whether that is just, you know, tweet storms, tweet threads, uh, standalone tweets, uh, I'm sorry, I'm focusing specifically on Twitter here, but if you've created content that's, you know, grown your, grown your profile to, you know, say 10,000 plus followers or, or, um, or so on, I think the next play for me, um, is creating, a. uh, I would say at least an email, an email list. So the reason why is because I believe that, you know, you have your platform and then you've got your distribution. So like Twitter is great for a platform in terms of, you know, sharing quick content, um, in terms of getting engagement, kind of getting those, those getting followers, but they're usually a little bit more at arm's length followers who aren't like fully bought into your, your product. They're at the top of the funnel, if you will, to use a marketing term. Um, and then when you start, putting out content that people need to subscribe to, um, that people need to, you know, exchange their, their email address in terms of, uh, for the value, the download value exchange. So I think you need the distribution platform that, that can be Twitter, but I think more direct is, and more people who are more bought in, more engaged on what you're creating would be through an email list. So, um, my, my marketing tech stack is super simple. It's Twitter and it's Substack, And, and that's how that's how everything flows through me. Um, it doesn't have to be complicated. And I think the more people overcomplicate things, the less they will actually take action on it. So I would say start simple. Um, even if you've established a pretty good foundation of followers on Twitter or on wherever on social media, um, don't overcomplicate things. I, I don't think personally. I don't think you need a, a high end website with you know a ton of links and and um, and all that to, to really make your mark. I think you just need a a proper funnel that sets people up and funnel can, you know, I don't know how your audience feels about these terms, but they can seem really kind of salesy and gross, but I don't mean them in a negative way. I just mean them in, in terms of, um, people coming to your website. And then what's the next thing they're going to do once they're on your website? Well, you know, you'll see the start here link. And so people kind of go down this path. Let's use the word path. Maybe instead of funnel, they'll go down this path of your content and, you know, one path leads to another and, and whether that's your free product and then your, you know, paid product, low end, and then maybe it's a, a full on um, $1,500 course, or it's an annual subscription to a community or something along those lines, you know, you kind of trickle people in. So long answer to your question. I think for me, it's, um, it's getting people on an email list in one way, shape or form, and then tripping out that content to them. And that can be as easy as getting them from Twitter onto an email list or getting them to your, your website and onto an email list and communicating them there. Um, in terms of blogs, I think blogs can be super useful. Uh, you can leverage SEO to get a lot of traffic. Personally, I don't, I don't love that strategy just because I don't have the discipline and the, the time and effort to put into, you know, getting a really, a really high traffic SEO um, strategized blog. So I just leverage more my promotional um, vehicle of Twitter and Substack. So that's my approach to that. Mm-hmm. 
I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I, I like your point on simplicity because, again, there's just so many things that we could do. And that choice can often cause like analysis paralysis yes. where you're like, well, I could do a blog. I could do an email list. I could make a product. I could make six websites. I could, you know, it just goes down the line of just like, I'm not going to do anything at this point because I don't know what to do. And yeah. choosing just one, keeping it simple, the one that will convert for you in some shape, in some way, shape or form. And, and going down that route just, you know, takes the burden away of the choice. And an email list is a great one. And I, I have actually a good example of the email list being super powerful. Um, we don't, we have an email list, but we don't really utilize it. Like we're not promoting it or anything. That's mm-hmm. something that's on our list of things to do. Um, but one of our guests recently, uh, just a little while back, has an email list, and them they they promoted our podcast on their on Twitter and stuff like that, and they have a, a good following and all that, and that's great. Um, and our conversion rate from Twitter was okay, like it was fine, like we got some people listening to the podcast from their Twitter, right, and. Then a week later, he's like, hey, oh, yeah, I forgot to put your the podcast in the email list. And as soon as he put it in the email list, he has a he has less people in the email list than on Twitter, like considerably <laughs> right. less, right? Right. But the conversion rate from the email list was probably, I don't know, 60% higher or 80%. Wow. I don't know. Big like, time. It, was, it was crazy amounts higher, wow. higher than most of our guests ever that, that had b- bigger followings, like had massive followings on Twitter even. Hmm. So... Again, anecdotal evidence, uh, but regardless, like that's just one of those things where like I guess people connect with the email list a little bit more than with like a random account on Twitter because they – is it because they've cognitively like signed up for it? Like do you have any idea about why that would be? Yeah, I think they're just – you know, I talked about the word funnel, but path. Let's use the word path again. (laughs) Um, They're further down the path. With your with your content and with you as a as a creator or as a um, brand. So, on Twitter, you're you're about as as soon as you follow somebody, um, you're you're kind of you're just right at the top of that funnel at the beginning of that path with that person. You're like, okay, they're interesting enough that I will follow them. So when they tweet something and promote something, it might catch your eye. You might you you may not see it, but if you do, it might catch your eye. You might think, oh, that's interesting, or you might not. Um, once you once they've posted enough things or tweeted enough things that you're like, oh, this is good. Oh, this is good. Oh, they're providing you know significant value here. I think I you go to their profile and you see that they have a website and you go to their website and they you sign up for their email list or they have their email list right in their Twitter profile, which I would recommend personally. Why make people click more than once? Um, get them to sign up right from your Twitter bio. So. So you do that, and because they were providing such value in your Twitter feed, you sign up for their email, you start receiving their emails um, in your inbox. And inbox to me is a more personal space, obviously, than in a social media platform. And we are more protective of it, and so we'll pay more attention to those the things that come into it as well, because we've more usually given permission for those things to come in because we found them for some reason interesting and wanted to you know opt in to receiving them. So that's why I think email is um, going to have a higher engagement and it's still so traditional. Like you think email and you think like it's been around forever, right? It's, I mean, as far as like the internet is concerned forever and a lot longer than social media, but your conversion rate is still going to be for, you know, nine times out of 10, your conversion rate with email is going to be so much higher than it is with just tweeting out a promotional tweet on social media. So that doesn't surprise me entirely that you guys found that much more success with an email list. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, the 
the other thing, like this just popped into my head and it might be off like total curveball here. Uh, what about like the next phase? So people are productive of their email, of their inbox. I totally agree with that. But mm-hmm. it has gotten to the point where like there's a lot of spam. There's a lot of like different tabs in your inbox and stuff like that, promotional, um, where it's gotten a little bit away from that. What people are even more protective of, I find, or that I've had discussions with in the past, is their text, like their text messaging. Oh, okay. Yeah. What do you think? And again, just obviously, we not, not neither of us do this, but yeah. what do you think about converting those email subscribers to now texting subscribers? Do you think that would increase the amount of click-through rate? Or do you think that there's any correlation there? Or do you think people would even do it? Oh. You know, I've, I've, I've heard that, that, um, that text, text messages, um, have a higher open rate than pretty much anything. The more than emails, more than, um, I mean, I guess you can't have an open rate for a, for a tweet or a post, but that they have very high open rates. Um, now I, I think it could work for the right product. Um, but I've subscribed to some text messaging, um, I guess campaigns, and I didn't even realize, and I was getting charged. So like, you know, $8 later on, on my credit card statement, I'm like, what is this for? So I've been <laughs> personally, I've been turned off a little bit from those. Um, I, I couldn't believe that I was getting charged to receive these, these texts. So yeah, I think it can, it can work. It definitely can work. And I think it's going to work for people who are in my, you know, just off the top of my head, it'll work for people who are selling products. Um, and that they have promotional offers on and you're not charging people obviously to receive those unless that person's, you know, text messaging plan is charging them to receive text messages. But I think for, for products, um, where you have sales, you have steady promotions that can work. Usually it has to be something obviously that people really want to buy. I don't think like an insurance, uh, (laughs) an insurance plan messaging out, Oh, we've got deals on insurance right now. Like it's gotta be something a little bit sexier than that. So yeah, I, that's kind of my thought around it. I still believe that you can do so much more with email and it's so much more um, interactive and engaging than a text message as texting can be a, uh, an element of your strategy for sure. But I don't think it should be, it should definitely not be kind of the standalone. And that kind of like, that kind of has shown itself at least a little bit. Cause I don't know if you remember, but you know, if, uh, about a year ago, probably longer than a year ago now, but when all the celebrities and all the influencers started saying like, Hey, just text me. This is really me. And like Tony Hawk <laughs> was in there and Gary V was in there and a whole bunch of people. And they're like, text me. It's really me. And, and like, it was some sort of marketing thing where they, yeah. you know, they were texting to some degree. I don't know exactly how the whole thing worked, but then I think Gary V still doing it, but I don't hear, I don't hear about it at all anymore. Um, and I only remember it because I went to Gary V's profile one day and I'm pretty sure it was still there. Whether it's still there <laughs> to this day, I don't know. But it's just one of those things where like people are really, you know, they really do guard their text messaging and and it's probably due to the notification. They, they you know, an email you can be like, yeah, yeah, you know, I can kind of push that off, especially if it's a personal email. Yeah, yeah, I can look at that in a couple hours. But when you hear that, you know, if you have a specific ringtone or something and it's a text message, you're going to look. And if it be, mm-hmm. and if you start getting into that muscle memory of ignoring text messages, now you're just going to be ignoring everybody. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. If you if you abuse if you actually get people to buy into your your, your texting um, campaign and you abuse it, you're you're going to be in for in for some pain for sure. 
especially if you start charging all of a sudden and shows up on their invoice statements, <laughs> yeah. then you're in for some serious pain. Like that, that could, to me is ridiculous. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I, yeah, I, I just obviously didn't read the fine print. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, that's a ridiculous thing to put in there. That should be like the first thing you see. This is costs X amount of dollars per message. Anyway, yeah. that's, that's a whole other marketing thing. Just, and just to go back to like a little bit of the email list stuff, yeah, um, I know yeah, this isn't sure. an episode on email lists and we could have probably a whole episode on that and maybe we will in the future, just stay tuned. But mm-hmm. uh, can you give us like some example content that you would put in an email to an email list? Like, yeah, I know you're, you're in, you're into the branding side, the marketing side. So what, what do you put in yours? Yeah. So I, um, self plug here uh, is my email is uh, it's a Substack email newsletter. It's called growth currency. Um, same as my Twitter handle at growth currency on Twitter and my personal email, um, my newsletter revolves around, um, creators, content creators, and basically I curate links for them to, um, essentially it's like a menu, uh, of stuff for links for, you know, to improve your marketing, your writing, um, you know, key podcasts that I find super interesting with, with a lot of valuable content, as well as communities, courses, newsletters, um, and, you know, various types of articles all revolving around, um, creators and how they can improve in all facets of creating in terms of mostly marketing and promotion, but, but really, um, yeah, just how you can, how you can get better and be more successful as an online creator. So what I started doing was, um, I started the newsletter because I kind of wanted an excuse to, you know, write something and and put it out there. So I was like, oh, Substack's free. I'm going to try it. And so, oh, and it can also email people. Oh, that could be fun to try to, you know, build an email list. I wonder if, I wonder if that would work. And so I just started doing that in December, January of this past year, um, December, 2020 and January, 2021. And I kind of just started throwing stuff at the wall and to see what would work. And, you know, I... I just posted curated links about personal finance and crypto and marketing and some branding stuff. And, and I also had like kind of like an editorial piece to it as well, just where I shared some thoughts or ideas around a certain topic and those topics kind of ranged as well. So um, now after, after about 10 editions of that, I'm on the, tonight I'm sending out edition number 28. So after the first 10, I kind of realized I'm, I'm, my audience is more creators. So I'm speaking definitely more to creators. Whereas before it was like, I started this thing and I'm just kind of sending messages out, newsletters out to the void. And, uh, you know, I had, I think after seven editions, I still only had about six subscribers. So, um, it takes a while to get going, but I included, um, I just included links and I kind of watched what people were interested in and saw what people clicked on. And with Substack, you can do that. And this isn't a promotion for Substack by any means. It's just what I use. But any any newsletter um, or email marketing platform will let you uh, track your clicks and what people are clicking on. So I just kind of watched where the clicks were going and sort of leaned in more on those topics and on those types of articles. So for me, it's, it's um, stuff that I've now, after about 27, 28 editions, I kind of sort of know what people are going to gravitate towards and what's going to hit home and resonate with people. So I include those types of links um, and that type of content in my newsletter. And you'll see basically anything. I A lot of stuff I post on Twitter, I'm testing out to see if it, if it also engages on Twitter so that I can put it in my newsletter. And if it, if it, you know, strikes out, then I'll probably omit it. But if it, if it uh, resonates, then I'll include it in my newsletter. So that's a good way to kind of test and iterate ideas as well. 
That's awesome. Yeah, that's honestly great, great advice. Uh, great topics all around. Really appreciate you coming on. Uh, so Dylan, I'm just going to pass off the floor to you. I know you've already mentioned your uh, your newsletter, Golf Currency. Is there anything else you want to kind of shamelessly self-plug? <laughs> yeah, um, like shameless self-promotion, yes. So Growth Currency on Twitter, um, I, I don't have any other social media handles for that brand, just personal stuff that I won't share because um, it's very boring. But um, I also just released uh, a couple of weeks ago an ebook, um, basically a free guide to starting your own newsletter. So I just condensed sort of all my learnings and my experience um, of about six months of publishing a newsletter on Substack and kind of boiled it down to how you can start, optimize, and grow your newsletter. It is focused um, on some tactics around using Substack, but really... Um, it can be it can be leveraged for people using ConvertKit or Mailchimp or or Review or whatever email platform you're using. I think a lot of the the thought the ideas and concepts can can be leveraged there. So um, yeah, I, that I would recommend checking that out. There's a link in my Twitter bio um, to that free guide, as well as a link in my Twitter bio to uh, subscribe to Growth Currency if you want to check that out. Perfect. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's at Growth Currency on Twitter, just just so everyone knows. And I'll definitely put the links to all of what Dylan just said into the show notes so you can check them out there or you can just kind of try to find them on Twitter if you don't feel like looking at the show notes, which a lot of people don't. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. um, but yeah, w- with that, I, th- I think we're, we're ready to wrap it up. But uh, again, thanks for coming on. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that interview as much as we did. Go check Dylan out on all the links that will be in the show notes, of course. And now, Mike, you uh, you have you had something you wanted to ask the audience. I don't have a I don't have a smooth transition for this, but you had a question for the audience that I think that would is 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 appropriate because right here in this little segment, we would normally talk about what we're doing, what we're doing this week, what did we code this week, whatever. So, Mike, what did you want to ask the audience today? All right. Yeah, absolutely. So, like like Matt mentioned, we would usually talk about what we did, what we coded. We would have a little back and forth conversation. It's not long. It's not in depth. But what we're thinking is, like, do people want to hear it? Is it something interesting to you? So, what we're asking you right now is to go on Twitter, at HTML everything. You can just type in HTML, all the things into the search bar. I'll show up at Mike at HTML, all the things podcast. And what you're going to do is just let us know, at us, write a post, comment on one of my posts, doesn't matter, at us and let us know if you want to hear us riffing, riffing again. Do you want to hear Matt, you know, Matt and me kind of going through what we're doing that week? Do you want to hear us talking about something else? Like maybe you have an idea what we can do as a tag at the end of the show. That's something that you want to hear. And what we're going to do is like essentially if we get no feedback, we're just going to take this segment out we're just going to have the content get you everything you possibly can get in that content obviously matt and i will still have our tangents during our our episodes but after the episode we're just going to skip right into the you know the sponsor the not the sponsor reads the patreon reads and everything else in the outro so again i'm leaving it in your hands listeners do you want to hear us talk about what we're doing this week or anything else after we finish the main topic of the episode Yes, and that's a good question, too, because we talked about it and we're like, is, is that valuable as a developer? And it's kind of like, no, 
But then wait, is it? Because it's kind of like, you know, talking at the water cooler, if you will. So maybe some people are solo freelancers and they like hearing that thing. But then it's like, but it's also at the end. So do they need it? Like, it's kind of a like, maybe. So I don't know. So we want to hear your your feedback. It'd be really appreciated if you let us know that because we used to also do the web news. And that was like a kind of kind of a random topic, either on or on or related to or something that's not related to web development. And so now the web news is like a spinoff that we do only occasionally. So it just kind of depends. Do you like a really concise show that's just the topic or what do you want? So I hope that you message Mike on Twitter there and let us know. And remember that we are on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash HTML. The things check out the tiers. Give that a go. And many thanks to our three dollar tier patrons. Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript on YouTube.com slash RabbitWorks JavaScript. Garrett from Local Path Computing and Web Design on LocalPathComputing.com. Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital on BlueBlackDigital.com. Chris from Selfmade Web Designer on SelfmadeWebDesigner.com. Tim from The Web Hacker on TheWebHacker.com. DL Ford from DLFord.io. And Bib Hashdash from NineBlockMedia on NineBlockMedia.com. Jason from Geek Life Radio via GeekLifeRadio.com. Michael Curie from MC Web Studio via MCWebStudio.ca. Magnus from YesWeb via yesweb.se and Jeff from Twitter via at the Rithic. Feel free to leave a comment or review in the platform that you are listening to this on. And this outro will sign us off. You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. Web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things. Signing off.